0: There's something called Moore's Law, which is the idea that computing power gets cheaper and cheaper as time goes on, and that phenomenon ended because we've made computer chips as small as we can possibly make them while still producing them at a reasonable cost, so they're not getting any faster. So we put more and more chips together and have them all compute things at the same time, This is a completely different paradigm that requires different computers called GPUs. So GPUs, graphical processing units, they can do really fast parallel computations that can also be used for machine learning. So it's a combination of the availability of all this data to train machine learning on, the improvements in all of these algorithms, and also specialized hardware to actually run these algorithms. That's just opening up a completely new world of possibility.
1: So if you could sum that up, Eli 5 that for me, how would you do that?
0: The computer revolution already happened. The AI revolution is happening right now.
1: Hello. Welcome back to Hail Saturn and welcome our very first guest. It's a pleasure to have you, Eli Bierman. Thanks for being on the pod.
0: Yeah, it's great to be here.
1: Thank you so much for being my first guest. I'm so excited to have you and ask you so many questions. You are such an interesting person to me because I'm married to you. I love talking to you about everything under the sun and especially lately love talking to you about astrology.
0: I've been more and more interested in astrology lately.
1: What have you been into and liking about it lately?
0: So personally, I can sometimes have a difficult time connecting with the layers underneath the surface of what's happening in my emotional life and my inner desires, and just connecting with how I'm feeling in the moment. It's difficult for me to tap into my emotions sometimes and astrology helps give me some clues as to what I might be feeling, what changes might I be desiring in the future, and it also gives me an idea of how can I contextualize things that I am feeling and I know I'm feeling, but I don't know what to do about it. What direction is that feeling telling me to move in? How can I take that feeling and turn it into positive change.
1: I love what you said just now about astrology helping you figure out what to do with your feelings because I feel like astrology does give that really awesome framework to give you something to do with those feelings. So it's like, yeah, when I wanna take action, it's like I don't need to actually go out and act on my feelings. I can turn inward and reflect on them and actually use them to gain more perspective on where I'm at in life.
0: The way I think about it, well, I'm a planner. I like to make plans for my life. And oftentimes my plans are analytical. They don't take into account my feelings. So astrology helps me plan and make sure that that plan accounts for my feelings.
1: I'm not really a planner, although I'm kind of trying to change that. I sort of, you know, just just roll up to life, kind of live moment to moment.
0: Yeah, so you're not as interested in prediction in general as a lot of astrologers, right?
1: Not really. It's just kind of not where my focus lies. But I do do a fair amount of prediction in my own way, but just more about personal things and personal things for my clients as well, like purpose and love, but kind of on a like individual level as opposed to predicting for the collective.
0: I see. You probably have more information for just an individual's chart also.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I have that person with me if I'm reading the chart, if I'm making any kind of predictions. So, I mean, it's either myself or it's a client who I'm reading for. So I'll have access to them to ask them for whatever information I need.
0: That leads me to a question that I have for you. Some people feel that you as an astrologer should be saying everything just from the chart because, well, if astrology was real, why should I tell you about my life? Shouldn't you just be able to tell me about my life?
1: Yeah, that's valid. And I definitely have had clients who have kind of come in with that approach and I am definitely ready to just read the chart and just speak from the chart and about it for the full hour. So if my client chooses to not share anything with me, that's fine. I'll just tell them everything that I can see on my own, but any information that they do offer and share will help me to refine my reading and I can get a lot more specific and look more into things that are relevant to them. And also, you know, sometimes, yeah, it just, it definitely sparks more and allows me to see deeper into the chart. I also feel like there is sort of like, kind of like a level where like, I can only access a certain depth on my own and I need the permission and participation of the native, which is what we call the chart holder or the person whose birth chart it is. I kind of need their permission to go in deeper and and also to connect it to their reality and their experience of their reality. You know, there's no way for me to actually access that without them. So yeah, there's a lot that I can do on my own, but it's definitely limited. And I try to usually offer up a lot at the beginning to kind of show people like what I can bring to the table and then encourage them to just you know come in with as much as they want to offer to the reading
0: (laughs) almost like an AI that the person is prompting
1: yeah Eli why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself your current profession any passions you might have
0: I'm a professional coder and I've been doing that since like 2013 when i graduated college Um,
1: wow before you met me even
0: yeah yeah before i met you so i guess the whole time you've known me
1: yeah you've been a coder for a decade
0: it's been a decade didn't go to school for computer science but i did have some exposure to computer science like in my high school i went to a nerd school stuyvesant high school
1: stuyvesant high school downtown manhattan
0: Yep. I'm Brooklyn born and raised. Went to school in Manhattan. It was like kind of a corporate experience for a high school. Very high pressure, science, math focused. I learned way more than I learned in college. And then I studied geography. Hunter College.
1: Okay. So you're a true New Yorker born, bred, and never left.
0: Like a stick in the mud. I haven't gone (laughs) anywhere.
1: Do you think you'll ever leave New York?
0: I think for a period of time, long term, I feel like a gravity to New York.
1: It has a strong gravitational pull. I feel like anyone who has spent time in New York City can probably attest to that. If you've spent longer than a couple of months here, it becomes hard to leave, hard to get out. And then I think once people do leave, they hesitate to come back. I know a lot of people who moved out of New York who never, ever come to visit and... I feel like it's because they know that if they come, they'll move back and it'll suck them right back in. They'll be back in the rat race, in the urban concrete jungle. But I moved here when I was 18 and I have not left.
0: It's a great place. And I do think it could be nice to live somewhere else, enjoy a slower pace, connect with nature more. But you know the kinds of wide experiences that I'm trying to have, and especially now that we're vlogging, I feel like there's a lot for us here in New York. A lot of fun, creative, visual, musical experiences for us here.
1: I agree. I love New York for that reason, for all of the culture that's always evolving, always popping off in different little places. And the city has a kind of creative energy to it that is really addictive. And it does also have that kind of hustle and grind, never stop vibe That can be really overwhelming but also that kind of constant hum like does sort of make you think differently about the time that you have and how you're spending it i feel like time moves a lot quicker in new york city have you noticed yeah. that? Well, you've never lived anywhere else, but I feel like on this in the suburbs, time moves really slow. And I remember, like, before it's I was 18, there. exactly. It's the boredom, but the boredom like creates this kind of liminal space where time really seems to slow down. And we just went back out to my hometown a couple of weeks ago to send a friend off who is moving to Japan. Shout out Zoe. So we went out to visit Zoe and. We spent just an afternoon out there, and it felt like three days New York time, I swear.
0: We stay there pretty late, and I- I
1: feel like uh, the days fly by here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It's stimulating, and it's opened my eyes to a lot of different perspectives living here. I like how many things people do professionally. I feel like it's given me a great idea of like different options for myself and also for- other people, like, you just see people doing cool jobs and you're like, oh, that is a job. I could do that. That seems cool.
1: Yeah, totally. I feel like it's got to be one of the number one places for, like, career diversity. Right. It's like, not like just yeah, one job industry. Potential.
0: I love that. So it's good for people who are always trying to switch things up. Like.
1: Yeah. But I do wonder what it would do for our lives and our creative lives to live somewhere where we could be bored.
0: Yeah, isn't boredom supposed to be like really a, good for creativity. Yeah, it's
1: like a almost an essential foundation for creativity. And it is hard to be bored here. It really there's is. There's just so much at our fingertips. But you can cultivate boredom anywhere. I mean <laughs> it's right, possible. We have right. the technology. Leave your phone I like at taking home. A walk. And go I feel
0: like taking walks can stimulate a kind of active restful boredom.
1: Yeah, walking is actually that's kind of a hack. Totally.
0: Walking to me that's my everything that's my nature it's not the same as going into the woods but it will reset me in a certain way
1: yeah walking is very human walking is like a weird thing like i've always been a walker i've never had a driver's license and i grew up in the suburbs so i used to walk for transportation and just like regularly walk one hour two hour just as a norm So I love living in New York City because you can just quickly take like a 15 or a 20 minute or a 30 minute walk and like end up somewhere really good. But I feel like in a lot of parts of America, people don't walk at all or they have to like go somewhere specific that's like a walking trail to get their steps in
0: right they call it hiking they don't even call it walking
1: i hate that i hate that about the way that our country is set up i feel like we need more infrastructure for pedestrians and more trains okay like walkability walkable cities linked by trains that is the way that is the best way to live and we've been denied that in this country and it is a travesty
0: one of these inventors needs to invent a train
1: railways and walkable cities
0: What happened to the infrastructure plan? We need the trains. Imagine if we had bullet
1: trains in the U.S. Imagine if you could take a bullet train from like Yosemite to Yellowstone.
0: That would be amazing. Wouldn't that be sick? I did take a bullet train once in Japan. And it was shocking how fast it was. We're gonna visit Zoe
1: and we're gonna take a bullet train.
0: Because if I'm leaving New York, I'm also leaving the country. There's other cool places in the country, but for me, I guess maybe as my Sagittarius rising, but... I really wanna get out there and see how other people live in yeah. other countries and you know what that mentality is like in other places.
1: Yeah, it's definitely your Sagittarius rising, your Jupiter chart ruler. I wanna to travel too. I've got Jupiter moving through my ninth house this year and I'm a ninth house son. So this definitely year, feeling do travel. Want to travel. When you told me about the mega cities, I really was like, I have to go take a trip because i've never been to asia i really don't know what it's like in any of these like major asian countries and it's kind of hard for me to imagine a mega city and i don't know how i feel about it too i kind of feel it seems a bit terrifying But I'll have to go there and see if it's like a similar experience to the one I had in California where I was so scared of California and then I went there and all of my worst fears were not only confirmed, but it's worse than I thought. So terrified of California.
0: I think that you might be surprised at the level of functionality and how well organized the megacity is, how efficient it is, and how there are still pockets of nature and mountains and beautiful that's what i'd like to see is
1: definitely the nature within because i feel like that's what kind of like frightens me is i'm like the idea that we as like an ever-growing human population will just be expanding and expanding these types of mega cities i prefer cities to suburbs but i would like to see more cities and then more like wild nature and more like national park type stuff. More like cared for nature that humans are stewards
0: of. I really wanna to go to Thailand, see some of the nature. My brother's in Bali now, it looks beautiful. I really wanna to go to Bali, do a little Qigong session, eat some wonderful food. I really wanna to go to a gamelan concert.
1: Oh, I wanna to go to a gamelan concert too. Explain what a gamelan concert is.
0: So, Gamelons are this kind of orchestra slash instrument, it's this Indonesian thing, and it's handmade instruments that a village will have, maybe around 30 different instruments, mallets, gongs, bells, and they're all tuned to be perfectly in tune with each other in a different tuning system than we're used to, and the village will collectively own this instrument and play beautiful concerts.
1: Yeah, it's like a 30-piece instrument That's like a contained system that is tuned to mathematical harmony instead of the traditional harmonies that we use in Western music.
0: Exactly. So because it's those mathematical harmonies, also known as just intonation, well, the waveforms amplify each other. There's no interference. So it's very pleasing and it kind of lifts you in a subtle way.
1: Yeah, I like the mathematical harmonies a lot. And the gamelan music was really sick looked some up on youtube i recommend it it's really fun
0: i think the only full gamelan in the u.s is at wesleyan college
1: huh that's interesting why only one
0: well they're really culturally significant to the village Mm. where they are the people know the instruments the music isn't written down so it's almost like a kind of folk tradition that if Mm. you just take the gamelan out of the village it's not really the same gamelan anymore
1: the world is so interesting So much to discover. There's so much I don't know
0: about. Music is such an interesting way to look at society and the way we think about the world.
1: Yeah, so true. So Eli, you're a musician. You play quite a few instruments, most notably the double bass.
0: Yeah, I just got a double bass. Um, How's that
1: been going?
0: I love it. Just feeling that vibration move from your finger through your body.
1: Mm -hmm, Those sweet vibrations.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. It's very soothing. It's very stimulating. You've been and bowing that it's thing. It's very physical. I'm trying to work on my bowing. It takes a sensitive touch and you need mm-hmm. to really get it in exactly the right spot to have it resonate the right overtones. So I'm trying to figure out like what's the tone that I want because naturally I think I'll be a little bit aggressive with the bow. and mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes you have that's a little cool. bit of a
1: rough touch.
0: Right. You sometimes gotta find cool, her but... sweet spot. Right. I haven't found that yet, but I'm having so much fun with it.
1: It's a really big instrument. It's huge. It takes up like a whole corner of our house, but it's absolutely beautiful.
0: I want a piano.
1: A piano can be a little bit tough in a one bedroom.
0: Oh, very tough. I don't know if it would fit in the door. Yeah,
1: but maybe in our next place.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely not here. Have you ever had a piano in your house?
1: I have, yeah, in my house growing up.
0: Isn't that such an amazing sound? with the piano just bouncing around the house? It
1: is a beautiful sound. The piano that was in my house was a little bit out of tune. Oh, and my dad was many. the only one who could play it. And he could only play one song, Moonlight Sonata, which is a nice song. And he played it pretty well. It That's was really nice. nice yeah, I liked when he would play the piano. But yeah, I, I wish he played it more.
0: Did you ever noodle around?
1: No, I took guitar lessons, which I regret. I wish I took piano.
0: I think piano gives you the best visual metaphor to understand music.
1: For sure. Guitar did not help me with that, but I can strum a few chords, so it's better than nothing.
0: Yeah, you you sound good on there.
1: No, I don't, but you're sweet. Thank you.
0: Well, you sound good because you're such a good singer. So, you know, I <laughs> might be you. a little bit, bit better at Doing guitar the than you. Doing my best Lana Del Rey
1: impression right. and then just absolutely murdering. The three chords to Blue Jeans.
0: Strummer's gonna strum. Singer's yeah. gonna sing. Mm-hmm.
1: Butchering that song.
0: What's the music scene like in New York now? I feel like That's I haven't really... That's a good really...
1: question.
0: I used to go to a lot of indie shows.
1: I low-key think EDM and DJs are coming DJs.
0: back. DJs. It's a lot of DJ shows. DJ yeah. sets. But... People aren't dancing. And then I think raves. that
1: there are some, like, there probably are raves. We're not cool enough to know where those are. I know people go to are, raves But and... I bet they're just at the same spots that they've been at nowadays. Right. I swear. Knocked House of Center. Yes, if that's still around. Like, these Bushwick spots. Right. No, I don't want to go to a Bushwick rave, though. I don't
0: want to be with sweaty, stinky people. And I
1: don't want to be with, like, young people, also.
0: This is post-Saturn return. Yeah,
1: like, so, youth... That's 0 to 29. Middle age, that's 30 to 59. Elder, that begins at 60 and goes until the rest of your life.
0: What happens at 82?
1: That's still elder. Is 82 not the next one?
0: Well, I'm thinking about midsummer. Oh,
1: that was like 72, I think.
0: That's not long. I
1: know. We're big Ari Aster fans Huge. on this podcast. And we loved Bo Is Afraid. Cannot recommend it enough. 10 out of 10 fabulous movie thank you ari aster
0: thank you for making that film for making
1: that film we appreciate it
0: if you like darren aronofsky movies mm-hmm. i feel like Black you should Swan watch Mother,
1: requiem for a dream
0: it really reminded me of requiem for a dream
1: it has a nightmare quality to it that i appreciate Extremely
0: nightmarish mm-hmm. in a way that almost reminds me of my nightmares mm-hmm. yeah it was I'm very like, relatable film
1: very relatable and funny
0: that was one of those things that actually did inspire me to say, "You know, yeah, I know however many millions of dollars some people say, is it good or bad?" It was an awesome movie, and somebody: 35 had a really million cool dollars
1: idea. the most expensive a24 movie ever made and worth every penny
0: It was great. It was really great, and somebody just had that vision and so many people just executed it so well and just that spirit of collaboration to make a vision that people are believing in even though it's so different from what the industry is demanding that's brave i support it and i'm here for it and i love that movie
1: i second everything you said yeah i can't wait for the next film
0: if i was spending 35 million dollars of somebody else's money even more so, if that was my own money, to make a movie of some crazy idea, like, I wouldn't do that. I would say this is impractical. I'm not going to proceed with this idea.
1: Right. You understand why I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder while I was in film school.
0: It was that pressure. Of yeah. You have to spend all these resources to make your kooky idea. Yeah. What am I doing?
1: It was so stressful. But now it's easier. Now that I'm like 10 years out of school, almost, I feel like it's a different story. And now I feel like I could plan and budget and execute a film project. At the time, it was like so overwhelming and so anxiety-inducing that I actually sought medication and was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, which I feel like I would not meet the criteria for now.
0: While you were trying to produce a student film,
1: well, I probably should have sought medical attention while I was trying to produce the film, but it was like after, at the end of the semester. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I had like a mental breakdown. I had to make a like student film production and it was like the whole nine yards, like with a cast that I had auditioned and cast and a location that I had rented and... A crew that i wasn't paying they were my fellow students but we had equipment and everything it was like a real shoot and it didn't go well it wasn't like properly all planned out and the set design kind of fell apart and we ended up wasting like half the day trying to make up for the lack of a set and then we shot the footage and I like somehow against all odds we got everything shot and then at the end of the day I was so stressed from the experience that one of my friends who had been working on the shoot like made a comment to me about how all my actors had different accents and they made like like a snarky comment and like laughed and said that like everyone on set was like this is not gonna look right or sound right in the final product and it like fully broke me and i never even edited because i just like couldn't bring myself actually i did edit a silent cut of it and i subtitled it but i couldn't like i couldn't bring myself to add the sound
0: wow so for me that's something that I'm trying to keep in mind more is how sensitive the creative process is to criticism. Like criticism of something that's out there, done, over, that's one thing, but criticism of things in progress, it doesn't do what you think it's gonna do. You think, oh, this is something that can be addressed, but it's really it really gets inside people's minds and it takes you outside of the creative mindset.
1: Yeah, it can really derail the creative process in my experience. But also, I think that being an artist of any kind is really hard. And you do have to have a really thick skin. And especially if you're somebody with a vision and a real sense of how you want things to be in your own work, you have to be able to defend your ideas and your points and your work against whatever criticism comes your way. So ultimately, it was my fault as an artist And I should have been able to push forward and, you know, create something that I could stand by. And I had done the best that I could in that situation. But with all of the pressure and, you know, certain elements of myself that I didn't have awareness of, too, I wasn't really like working with myself. I was very much pushing myself beyond my limits, working against my natural abilities and tendencies, and just being generally disorganized and kind of irresponsible. So it was a great learning experience. I mean, it was ultimately a school project. It's to educate you. The point wasn't to come out with an awesome product, but to, you know, take away a lot of lessons about film production and media production. And I think I did. So, I mean, I'm very happy with the education that I got, even though there were some really hard experiences along the way.
0: It seems like you picked something that made sense for how you like to operate. You still want to create your artistic vision in the world.
1: Yeah. It's funny. I think I always had artistic ambitions and urges, but I wanted to be a singer songwriter really badly and like a pop star. And I decided to study filmmaking because I think I saw how useful it could be across disciplines and just like in a very general sense, how functional being able to produce video content was. And that has exploded in ways I could never have anticipated. And the world was not like this when I was in school and learning about everything. I feel like also studying film kind of made it hard for me to apply the same concepts to content at first because I had such a purist kind of like director's eye for things. And as a content creator, like you want to be a lot more fast and loose and a lot less precious. And like with content creation... You know, so there's a saying in like a lot of creative disciplines that you have to kill your darlings in order to be good. And I feel like in content creation, it's like you have to just post your darlings. Like, yeah, I think it's like it's a lot of experimentation and it's a different world that we're in. But it's a very exciting time in terms of media and entertainment, which has always been the industry I'm interested in. And I think it's a really cool time when you can really create a lot of opportunity for yourself in that space. And people are looking outside of these institutional, you know, houses for their content and media. It used to be that people all saw the same movies in theaters, people all watched the same network programming, and it just isn't like that anymore. People are on YouTube, watching YouTube like it's TV. I'm even doing
0: that. Yeah, kids will talk about YouTubers like their celebrities like they don't care about celebrities anymore. They care about oh my god my eight-year-old
1: niece and her love of Flamingo Does anybody know Flamingo on YouTube? My niece asked for Flamingo merch for Christmas and she cried when her mom got it for her. She was so happy
0: She's obsessed with Flamingo.
1: She's hilarious. Shout out Dorothea. We love you
0: YouTubers are really the people spending the most time with our youth in a lot of ways you know, for better and for worse, mostly for worse. But I think if you have something positive to bring to YouTube and just to like video and video content in general, there's probably gonna be a lot of kids consuming it. So if you're doing something positive that uplifts people and helps build them up, then you might actually have a really positive impact on the next generation because of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like kids are learning a lot on YouTube about every aspect of life
0: everything. YouTube University. Yeah. I learned how to use logic on YouTube. I know a lot of people do primarily learn skills for their jobs on YouTube.
1: Yeah, YouTube has really been that girl and if it's only getting better. If you need to fix better, something,
0: look it up on YouTube.
1: Yeah, like when I was 16 and I looked up how to drive a stick shift on YouTube.
0: You were early on that. Yeah,
1: that worked out great
0: driving a stick just off YouTube. That's pretty cool. Yeah, pro. I
1: have never legally driven a car, but after I got my learner's permit, I did steal my parents' car, which was a stick shift for a couple of nights, and I YouTubed how to drive stick, and that's how I learned to drive.
0: Joy riding. Okay. Mess. Bad girl. Yeah,
1: regrettable. Cannot recommend. I would never, ever do something like that. That was obviously before my phobia developed. And maybe the phobia was karma for doing that.
0: You were just having fun. I had a lot of fun. You were having fun and it was... I did get pulled over and I
1: did have to go to traffic court. So this is all, you know, I paid the price. I paid my fine. I saw the judge. I've answered for these crimes. So, you know, I'm an upstanding citizen.
0: For a long time, I didn't know how to drive. And recently I just got my driver's license and I'm so excited to make more use of it. We I'm can go on so, trips.
1: so proud of you for getting your driver's license. It almost doesn't feel real because we haven't been on a trip together yet.
0: I told my friend Methune about it and he was like, are you for real? Can you show it to me? He didn't believe me. He was like, this is crazy.
1: I know, he made you whip it out. <laughs> and
0: I was so happy too.
1: We got to go to the beach this summer.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. When somebody from Long Island says the beach, they mean a beach outside of New York City.
1: Yeah, like Smith Point.
0: Smith Point exactly which I know I don't know where that is
1: it's far it's like halfway it's like in Suffolk County it's like halfway down Long Island it's like probably like an hour and a half away
0: the beach we're 10 minutes from the beach (laughs) on the train
1: yeah we do well don't tell them where we live babe
0: scratch that
1: so Eli you've been my husband for almost six years now how's that been amazing good amazing moving on how has pluto in aquarius been for you
0: when did that start
1: pluto moved into aquarius in march i want to say march 23rd but i'm going off the dome here i bet i'm right though
0: so since then i think i've felt some inner and outer shifts outer shifts things falling away i feel like some of the things that i've been relying on for security Career-wise, just in terms of how I'm used to doing things, I feel like I'm being pushed to challenge myself and renegotiate to figure out what's really serving me. And in terms of the inner side of things, I feel like I'm being pushed to really value my own values and live my life according to that.
1: Yeah, so it's been a big push for you.
0: It's been unsettling and I'm looking for my grounding
1: yeah totally i ask because as you know you have saturn in an early degree of aquarius at one degree so as soon as pluto moved into aquarius it immediately entered a pretty tight orb with your saturn and so in your post saturn return glow you're getting this pluto transit that's pretty intense on all these lessons that you've been working on for the past three years and that you reached a graduation point and kind of climbed the mountain of your Saturn return and found higher ground. And now here's Pluto shaking the foundation saying, is this strong enough? What needs to transform here? Immediately you're being asked to level up and transform again. So how is that? How's that been?
0: Man, I mean, that's life, isn't it? You're always just have the next thing that you have to tackle. One
1: thing after another.
0: And I'm grateful for it. That's what I'm here for. So I'm facing it head on, and I'm taking it as an opportunity to connect with myself and try to restructure my life to add that spark. And I'm trying to structure my days in ways where every day I have a little bit more of the things that really light me up in a structured daily way. Exercise, I wanna cook more, you know, we wanna eat healthy. I grew up vegetarian, I barely know how to cook meat, and I need to learn.
1: Yeah, we need to learn how to cook well. That could be an amazing goal for the next year. And meal prep. Meals take preparation, which you need to do before mealtime. This is news to me.
0: Multiple steps. We have an Instant Pot, which I love. And I want to get into cooking meats. Mm -hmm. Something that has lined up with the Pluto transit Mm -hmm. into Aquarius. I'm not sure if it's connected to it, but I definitely feel like i want to make my career something more creative i want to shift my career and i want to use different sides of myself Mm -hmm. maybe some of my leo energy i think i have some leo energy
1: the moon's in leo today i'm looking i mean you do have the jupiter in leo we've talked about that how that kind of wants to be seen witnessed
0: I basically invited myself on this podcast you did invite yourself on the maybe podcast. that's a Jupiter and Leo thing
1: yeah I think that you are kind of craving having a larger audience you've been laying low throughout your Saturn return and I feel like there definitely is a calling in your chart to shine your light and to do that in order to connect with other people and experience what they can bring into your life you know Like, Leo doesn't want to just be seen. Leo wants to create warmth for people to gather around and bring people together. It's kind of like the opposite of Aquarius, which is also about connecting people and gathering groups, but in a much more kind of cold and intellectual way. Whereas Leo is about like the inherent creative fire in each person and believes that by lighting your own inner creative fire and letting it burn bright for others to see that you'll draw people to you who will you know benefit from your light and who will shine light to warm you and grow your fire so yeah and i think that's sagittarius being the next so the three fire signs are like aries leo and sagittarius and i think of them as like incrementally growing fires so it's like aries is the match the first flame that you know sparks a light in the darkness and then leo is like the hearth fire or the bonfire that's contained that people can gather around that's more social and yeah invites people to come and bask in the warmth and then sagittarius which is like a wildfire or flames joining and two fires becoming one and meeting and becoming twice as big you know Sagittarius wants to take that creative energy and just spread it chaotically as far and wide as it can so that little fires can pop up everywhere and people can come and touch their match to it and, you know, take some fire away. So it's like the fire signs really are kind of the creative furnace of the Zodiac. Eli, are you familiar with the story of the Zodiac and how the 12 signs kind of fit together?
0: I've heard that phrase, but I'm not familiar with the concept.
1: I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast yet, about how the signs kind of build on one another. So Aries is like the first sign in the baby and the most pure, where it's only met itself and it has no awareness of the other signs. But all of the other signs are built on top of that energy. And as we move through each sign, we gain more faculties and more awareness of different areas of life different aspects of our existence, all the way until we reach Pisces, which is the collective consciousness and, you know, the realm beyond life. I'll run through that sometime on the podcast for sure, because it's interesting to think about how the zodiac is structured, both in that incremental way, and then how the different angles between the signs connect the energy in like different harmonious ways that kind of build on one another.
0: So does each sign have a kind of neighbor relationship with its neighbor signs?
1: Yeah, that's it's a pretty harmonious relationship that the signs have with their neighbors. That would be a semi-sextile 30 degrees, which is not an aspect that we usually pay too much attention to, but it's generally harmonious, neutral. Not especially harmonious, but yeah. The signs, I think, are more familiar with their neighbors, especially their previous neighbor sometimes the sign that comes after can be a little bit jarring because the signs are kind of like reactions to one another a little bit.
0: So I'm thinking of that image where there's a chimpanzee who turns to a gorilla, who turns to like a Cro-Magnon man, who turns to a whole upright human being. And I'm thinking like, is it like an evolutionary process? Is it like each phase of an evolution like a pokemon almost
1: i was with you on evolution until you said pokemon i mean i think i could quickly explain it's kind of like the life cycle of a human being so aries is the baby that has no real awareness of what's around the newborn baby that has needs and cries and is just a fresh life pure potential and then taurus is When the baby, it becomes like a toddler and it doesn't have the ability to speak, but it can sense the world around it and look around and see what's here, what do I have near me, what can I feel, what can I taste and sense, and it's like a very sensory experience of life. And then Gemini is when the baby learns to speak and can make its first friend and have a conversation and you know get information from another person for the first time cancer is when the baby is able to comprehend its own emotions to some degree you know and maybe at that point you're a child you're a little bit more mature leo wants to be creative and be seen and share their vision with the world and play with other people and have fun and then virgo needs to organize life and create a routine and make sure that everything's in order and all of our needs are going to be met so that we can facilitate, you know, more advanced happenings. Libra is when we get a sense of justice. We have like our own lives organized and down and we can start to think beyond ourselves and look around and kind of organize society a little bit more. And also when we can partner and we can make a commitment to another person and say, let's collaborate. Scorpio is the sign of intimacy, so that's once you have your partner, you can create intimacy with that person and experience a deeper level of emotionality than we could access before in the Zodiac. Sagittarius is the sign that wants to move beyond the home and the community and the world we know and go in and experience and explore foreign lands and see what awaits there, what knowledge and wisdom and potential is there. Capricorn is the entrepreneur and the business person who will capitalize on everything that's discovered and all the knowledge that's gained. Oh, Sagittarius is also like the sign of university and higher learning. So that's kind of where you do your training to become a professional. And then Capricorn is the sign of the professional. And then once you're in your profession, you can move to Aquarius and you can build a professional network. Where you can really start to accomplish large goals and visions that are humanitarian that are forward thinking you can innovate and invent with other people in your field and then you know you can grow old that way and then reach pisces eventually and all that will be left will be the underlying current that connects you with everything else the spiritual world and your return to that sphere
0: wow that's a powerful story that's a I don't know story. how well I
1: did telling the story, but that's generally how the signs kind of build on one another and reflect our increasing access to different parts of our world. And of course, not all of us follow that exact one-to-one trajectory, and I spoke in very general terms, but you can kind of see how it does sort of describe and encompass most of the different facets of life. So, Eli... Oh, you have your Saturn on your sun right now, too. Poor thing. Woe is me. Woe is you. Yeah, there's honestly a lot going on in your chart right now, but I want to talk about your air placements. You have Saturn and Mercury in Aquarius, Saturn in the first, Mercury in the second, first house of self-expression, second house of values and money, and then you have... Your moon and Mars in Gemini in your sixth house of daily work, service, routine, health. This is like your day-to-day activities and how you take care of yourself. Moon and Mars here, so that's a lot of personal energy. Your moon, how you feel nurtured and your emotional life, how you take care of yourself emotionally and what you need to kind of fill your inner cup and feel fulfilled. And then Mars, your action and drive. How you get things done so you're actually quite an airy person very gemini in terms of how you feel and how you process emotions and also how you act and behave and how you work and kind of just in your day-to-day life and also how you interact with others because gemini rules two houses in your chart you have the sixth house and the seventh house both ruled by gemini So this actually is like really significant energy in your chart that's super Gemini. And then we have also the Aquarius Mercury, which is your intellect, how you process your thoughts and ideas is in that logical, innovative, inventive, futuristic, unique Aquarius way. So that kind of is like very tech programmer, very works in AI energy for sure then I feel like the Gemini probably comes up for you a lot and I feel like that's got to be relevant and I think I want to speak about it today because I see Venus there in your sixth house in Gemini at 19 degrees so sort of sandwiched right in between your Mars and Moon and I feel like she's calling out and saying this is what's important right now this is what we're valuing it's time to add a little sweetness to this part of the chart so I feel like you have been kind of rethinking and reworking your routines a little bit lately. And we've both been thinking about being healthier and more conscious about what we eat and meal prepping more. And just generally kind of trying to add a little bit more organization into our lives.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, thinking about structure and how the structure of your day is, it's kind of like the atomic... Structure of your life. You build the structure of your year based on the structure of your day. And, you know, working backwards from the goals that I have, so much of it comes down to how I'm spending each day. So I'm trying to bring my priorities like being healthy, eating well, feeding my body, moving around, stimulating my mind. And also, increasingly, I want to be more creative every day. And I want to bring that into my daily life. I think the Gemini placement, something that that speaks to that I want to lean more into also is sharing my knowledge, sharing my curiosity.
1: Such a good point. Yeah, I always associate Gemini with the curious mind and wanting to just like kind of earnestly and freely share information you know, so that you can get some back and yeah, that kind of like exchange of perspectives and knowledge is so Gemini and it's so essential to getting anything done and to making friends and just like having a good life. You know, you gotta have good bands. You gotta have something to say, right? I feel like Venus in this house for you is definitely kind of calling out for you to spend a little bit more time integrating what you truly love and value into your everyday routine. Have you been able to do that at all this past few weeks? It's been... Let me get my ephemeris out, actually. Okay, Venus is honestly just going to fly through Gemini. just arrived there mid-April on April 12th, and it'll be gone into Cancer by May 8th. But we're catching her at the perfect time to consider what she might want you to bring to your daily life and daily routine. So while Venus moves through Gemini, she's mainly in your sixth house, a little bit in your fifth, but mainly in your sixth. And then in the sixth house, she makes contact with Mars and the moon, your Mars and your moon. So your Venus-Mars conjunction happened on April 21st. So you can think back, that was like six days ago, I guess like last Friday, think back to last Friday and you can have probably some kind of clue as to how you could sweeten the way that you're interacting with others and make your Mars operate in a little bit more of a Venusian way to kind of help you make friends and win affection and gain money potentially. Venus brings money and affection and puts us in touch with what we value and with what other people value that we have to offer. So Venus connecting with your Mars here, I feel like in a very practical way can help you kind of address some of these concerns that you have been bringing up to me about wanting to reorganize your day-to-day life and put your priorities front and center And then in a few days, let's grab the date for that.
0: She's looking up in the 1950 to 2050 Mm -hmm. American Ephemeris.
1: Okay, and then on May 1st, Venus will connect with your moon and you'll get a sense for what you can bring in to like more emotionally nurture and nourish yourself and for more like fulfillment. And I feel like creativity for throughout like this little mini transit window for you which unfortunately is happening during eclipse season, which probably puts a little bit of a damper on what might be an otherwise kind of bright transit for you. People say the sixth house is a dark house, but I like the sixth. I have placements there too, and I like the sixth. It's very practical. It's like about your body and your physical health and how you work, what your environment is like, kind of like throughout your day and your work day.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm... I have been thinking lately about how our life is just a series of moments and a day is kind of a microcosm of your life in a lot of ways. So I'm thinking about, you know, what is a microcosm of the life that really brings me joy and meaning look like in a day? Playing a little bit of music every day, something like that, maybe integrating some type of creative uh, practice that I'm carrying from one day to the next and working on every day.
1: That's honestly really profound what you said about it being a microcosm, like a day being a microcosm of your whole life. And I feel like that really reflects the 6th house, 12th house axis and the Pisces-Virgo axis and really makes me think about the 6th house and Virgo in a different way. So I love that. I feel like I'm entering a phase where I really wanna like ritualize my daily experiences and make them like really intentional and just like loving toward myself and you, you know?
0: Yeah, and you know, I feel like we almost have a responsibility to enjoy our lives. We can be more intentional about that, I think, in our daily lives.
1: Yeah, I feel that way too feel that way like if you can you've got to enjoy it I used to get caught up in angst a lot but I don't know maybe it's turning 31 but I'm just I guess I'm just not a teenage girl anymore
0: she's not a teenage girl anymore we're rock chicks
1: (laughs) I guess I guess if you want to know what I think I am I guess I'm just a rock chick (laughs) I like to rock out like to throw things, like to break stuff, like to
0: rage. Do you feel that this, does this transiting Venus affect you?
1: Not especially. I don't have any Gemini placements or really any air placements. I mean, I guess today where it is, it's kind of, it's trying my Saturn. So that's kind of nice, but pretty minor.
0: But I feel like you, you have a connection to my Venus because my Venus is an Aries. And doesn't it have some relationship to... Oh, your your...
1: Venus is conjunct my Venus, which is just cute for like our synastry.
0: Right, that's cute.
1: Yeah, we have cute synastry, I think. We have like a few classic things like your son is in my seventh house, which is like that's a classic placement for a partner. My son's in your fourth house, which I think is nice. It's home and family. It's actually like right on your IC, just kind of interesting, I definitely could see us having a past life connection. I've said that before,
0: yeah, she said that before, for sure, and you know i I could see it too, but I guess it's hard for me to imagine past lives, like
1: you definitely have a bunch of past lives. you've for sure been here before, and I feel like everyone who's ever known you says that about you, and it's just like clear, I think it's the Pisces in you, like. It's just, I really can see you, like, through the ages. And it's just clear that, you know, there's other there's other souls, like, underneath, you know, Eli.
0: I wonder if a part of that is, like, the Pisces-Gemini combination. Because my Gemini, Moon, and Mars, I feel like people, that's the part that confuses people. So people that like me, they're like... Oh, with Eli, I never know what I'm going to get. I never know what what the thought is going to be, what the action is going to be. And if that's fun or interesting to you, you might like me. If it's not, then you, I might really rub you the wrong way.
1: No, you don't rub anyone the wrong way. You are you can Just be a little, little bit chaotic and unpredictable, yeah. but you're I think always some sweet. People like
0: more stability, but you
1: are very stable. You're a very stable person.
0: That's true. That's yeah. true. My stability you just, belies. It could in, be a little out of pocket. Chaos. And I yeah, can you can it chaos. jumps out sometimes. But the Gemini, I feel like for me, as I've been trying to tap more into my emotional life, which would connect with my moon, which is in Gemini, like it feels like that's encouraging me to be more intellectually curious, that's something I already think about, but, like, take it even more seriously and make it a little bit more social.
1: Yeah, I feel like you honestly get really bummed out if you're not learning new things and experiencing new things, intellectually especially.
0: Yeah, it makes me feel sad. It does. Yeah.
1: Your cup is not filled.
0: Yeah, I guess that's my moon cup. Yeah,
1: learning... (laughs) learning yeah, every day you
0: know, your moon so. cup yeah.
1: <laughs> my, <laughs> well said moon
0: cup is it doesn't fill up it
1: doesn't. I feel like the main takeaway here from today just where Venus is today is to bring more opportunities for creativity and art and art making into your everyday I love and learning that. about maybe new ways to make art Art can be kind of deceptively complex, but you know, we've been vlogging lately and you've been been picking up
0: how to use the camera better.
1: You've been picking up a lot of new skills about camera operating and, you know, video file storage. You're going to be learning sound engineering for film. So yeah, you've got a lot of things going already. You're building those speakers. What else are you doing? You've always got something cooking up in that little studio of yours. You're making beats.
0: I just I'm making some beats. I learned how to solder recently.
1: Soldering.
0: So I made some electronics. I made a little
1: pretty cool
0: video display for a little art project. Ended up in Sweden. That was cool. Switzerland. Okay. Switzerland.
1: Eli, while I have you here. I want to take advantage of your expertise. And as a professional in the space, I want to ask you what are your thoughts about the immediate future of AI and AI in the long term? Like, what's ahead?
0: I love that question. It's one I'm not sure if I'm the best person to answer because I haven't worked with AI that much personally but lately I have been experimenting with it, a lot of open source AI technologies, and it's been so interesting for me.
1: Well, don't undersell yourself. You've been studying and thinking seriously about working with AI.
0: I'm trying to be humble, and (laughs) I have a lot of reasons to be humble. For sure, you're
1: definitely in a beginner stage. I'm in a
0: beginner stage and I love learning, so I've been really excited learning more about AI.
1: And I think that you do have some knowledge that we could tap here, and you're the you're the expert we've got here on Hail Saturn. So, okay, your disclaimer is out of the way. We know that you are not the foremost expert of the United States on AI, but what are your thoughts about what's coming and what AI will mean to our human existence and to society at
0: large. So short term, for me, there's been a lot of things that have just been fun. But the thing that I think is the first thing that's felt really useful to me with the new recent wave of AI developments is this audio to text AI model that we set up for you to automatically transcribe your podcasts with.
1: I have been loving that. It has changed the game for me. I use it during my recording process to kind of see what I recorded and the fugue state I go into when I sit down in front of the mic. And it brings me so much mental peace to know what content is in my audio file and not have to scrub through and listen to hear what I have recorded. So it's been a total game changer. I wish I had this for the earlier episodes. I know episode three would have been a lot better and a lot less of a headache if I had this technology at the time.
0: I love it. Short term, that's significant. I was thinking about how I was going to use this service to get a human transcription of your podcast because I didn't think that the technology was available to do it well enough with a machine.
1: Right. And that would have been just for SEO purposes to like add to the show notes to get picked up on the internet. But this is a completely different application. That's been really streamlining my workflow.
0: Exactly. And it's that kind of thing where suddenly because something is so much easier, it's not just that it's easier to do it that one time. It's that you can think about, Hey. I can not only transcribe my podcast after it's done, but while it's in progress. I can organize my entire audio library the same way that I organize my text notes. You can search through audio files with text. Not right now, but these are things that are going to be really easily possible pretty soon.
1: Wow, literally you could record your professor's lecture and then run it through the AI and have the whole lecture. Notate it in minutes.
0: Yeah. And when you're like, oh, what's this one thing that he said about when the exam is scheduled? Command F, exam. Go to that part of the audio file. You know, read the transcript. And you can also look at it yourself. And this AI that we use to run on your audio file of your podcast to make the transcription, you can actually run it on an iPhone.
1: On an iPhone?
0: You can run it on an iPhone.
1: Wow. How convenient. In your pocket.
0: It's just amazing to me what's possible. In the short term, things that we already wanted to do are going to get easier. In the long term, I think that what we think is possible is going to expand beyond what we can currently imagine.
1: I know. It is such a game changer. And like ChatGPT, too. I need to get into ChatGPT. Bacola's video on YouTube showed chat gpt writing a resume for her and how she was able to just like tell chat gpt about all of her experiences she was able to also feed it job descriptions and then it would edit the resume and customize it for the job description that kind of blew my mind i feel like if that had been available to me right after i graduated college my life would be very different right now
0: yeah and ChatGPT and that general family of AI models, which are called large language models or LLMs, what's so interesting about them is that they're focused on patterns in long strings of text. They can understand language in a way that other AIs can't, but they're not good at logic and facts. So that's why ChatGPT will just make things up that sound true, but they're completely fake because it's just good at making words sound something.
1: Yeah, that's pretty bad, though. They have to work on that.
0: Well, I don't think that that type of technology is well-suited to making things that are true or accurate. So I think that they're going to need to use different kinds of AI for different purposes. General-purpose AI is not happening right now, in my opinion. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I think what's happening right now is specialized AIs for different types of tasks
1: interesting yeah i feel like there are inevitably going to be a lot of reactions to ai i'm like already thinking about it in terms of like the astrology community and i know that people are definitely of two minds about ai replacing astrologers i personally feel like i'm kind of pro ai astrologer I also think that, you know, the human connection and human intuition will still have some value, but I personally feel like most people will never sit down with an astrologer to have their birth chart read, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast and kind of pivot my energy from just focusing on getting more clients and reading more charts one-on-one to speaking more generally about astrology and kind of empowering people to look into their charts themselves because I feel like that could have a really positive impact on people and be really therapeutic for the culture if people had more access to tools like their birth chart and astrology to look inward in like a safe and not pathologizing way you know like astrology is really kind of nice and neutral you know none of the signs are evil like it's just not pathologizing is the best way I can describe it but you can still go deep and like have realizations about yourself and it's just helpful so I feel like it's been so misrepresented for so long that I it's more that I want to help put people in touch with the technology rather than be the medium through which they access the knowledge.
0: So that's why when you think about if there was an astrology AI that suddenly worked really well, like a personal astrologer, that wouldn't necessarily be a completely negative thing to you, even though it could impact some people's livelihoods. Wow, you're really really asking
1: the hard-hitting questions here, and I appreciate that. I do think that It's generally positive anything that puts people in touch with the divine technology that is astrology. I feel like I associate astrology as being like heavenly and of God and I think that it transcends like any kind of human possession. And so yeah, I support using the emerging technology to democratize astrology more and i think there's still room for astrologers to be experts in the field and give their opinions in so many ways and i think still a human astrology reading will hold a similar value to what it holds now which is it's valued highly by very few and by many it's valued at nothing you know so i think that the ai could help introduce the people to which astrology is worth nothing you know and give them a free access point you know what I feel like what's there to lose in that respect and you know it's something that I am working toward in my own capacity you know introducing astrology to different audiences than it might otherwise reach but yeah I mean I think the AI could probably reach a lot more people than I could chat GPT is that girl right now like she's the most popular girl in the world you know what if she was doing astrology well. That could be cool.
0: We could try ChatGPT as an astrologer on the podcast.
1: Oh, yeah, we totally should. I definitely have seen people like talk about doing that and even show screenshots of their chats. They're able to trick the AI pretty quickly and get them to do something that's like illegal or impossible in astrology or make some kind of like fake calculation. And they've kind of shown that the AI is just making stuff up in a way that astrologers really are not. Like, we really are actually studying and applying so many rules. And then, yeah, it's really complicated what astrologers are doing. But the AI is definitely faking it. But I do think it will be possible to train the AI to do it for real in not too long. But I don't know who will do it. I mean, they could just have it listen to the astrology podcast, though. I bet you'd get a pretty good astrologer out of that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's so interesting how you talk about the technology of astrology, because as I've been learning more about astrology and filling in some of the more foundational technical understandings, a lot of it comes from empirical data about the actual positions of planets. And then it also comes from empirical data about the degrees between the way that those planets are placed in the sky. So there's that whole level that's completely empirical. And then there's the delineations, which is another layer on top of it. So I think that people don't understand that there's those two aspects, the objective and the subjective aspects of astrology. But to me, it's a technology with something human on top of it.
1: Yeah, it's like applied sacred geometry. And then like you attach your human consciousness and try to enter a flow state. (laughs) But you it is kind of similar to an AI, like how you load up your knowledge bank and kind of like front load your brain with all of the concepts and information and then all of the associations and just keep growing your world around each one of these concepts and it's just never ending. It's like it like kind of is like a microcosm of the universe, like ever expanding. It's really how it feels like Every single unique concept its like a little cell of it and they're all expanding all the time and you're just like growing your knowledge of each thing. And then, yeah, it's crazy. Like over time, the reward gets greater and greater. It really has that kind of return.
0: So there's, I guess, like a custom kind of vocabulary you have in your mind of concepts that you develop?
1: For sure. It's its own lexicon, jargon. That's a word that would come up a lot in... beginning of my practice like don't use too much jargon make sure you're explaining what everything means because there are so many words that have completely unique meanings in astrology and most of those words exist as other concepts as well so it can be I think confusing for people but I feel like I trained myself to try to like be looping people in and explaining them as I go
0: It's always hard to know with jargon because it exists for a reason. So you can't say a lot of things without including jargon. So if you don't say any jargon, it limits what you can say sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think that's why I chose the approach of using the jargon and then immediately explaining it. So kind of having that redundancy built in, like almost like you're speaking two languages at once. I feel like otherwise it's just not possible to loop people in who aren't already studying astrology which just isn't a big enough pool.
0: When you're looking at a chart and thinking about what it means, does it feel like it's a creative exercise to you?
1: It's definitely... Creative is an interesting word. It feels like generative, like creative in the sense of being generative, but it doesn't feel creative in the sense of being artistic, if that makes sense. I don't feel like I'm applying my individual viewpoint to it, but I do feel like I'm creating something... From what I see that isn't necessarily there before I arrive to it So you're I feel like I'm translating Translating interpreting and, like transmuting Symbols bring forward to something symbolic. Yeah
0: It's so interesting It's really a different mode of thinking than I think a lot of other things require.
1: Yeah, it's super different and really weird for sure for sure But yeah I definitely feel like there's going to be, like, in all fields, kind of, like, wide-ranging backlashes and reactions that are kind of sparked and, like, inevitable reworkings because it's such a game-changing technological breakthrough and, like, really era-defining. I think it's so interesting that it's coinciding so perfectly with Pluto and Aquarius, and it really feels like the energy of this new era is artificial intelligence and how well we can integrate and use it for the greater good to reform society in a more productive and functional way. But yeah, is there anything in like your industry that you can point to that you think AI will kind of force a reaction in or like create change around?
0: Well, one thing that's interesting in my industry is when you apply for a coding job, A lot of times you need to do a coding exercise as an interview, and now the AI is better at doing coding exercises than a lot of people. So to me, what does that say that an AI can prove that it can do my job better than I can in some contexts? In many contexts, actually.
1: Yeah, are you scared that the AI is going to come for your job and all programmers jobs? Or do you think that there will still be a need for coders to operate the AI and AI can be like a tool that speeds things up and helps with accuracy?
0: Yeah, I think I think as somebody who works in the technology industry, it's my role to always be on the edge of what's happening and not anywhere else. So I don't personally use any AI coding assistance, but a lot of my coworkers will actually use a company stipend instead of buying a book, they'll pay for an AI coding assistant to help them do their job.
1: I feel like that could be good. I feel like people make a lot of mistakes. People, you know, have different moods, energy levels. Like I feel like having an AI assistant could be a plus. Like I feel like it doesn't have to threaten the work if people kind of have humility around the technology and like allow it to kind of supplement where gaps maybe I don't know. Just thinking about your coworkers. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is good. I've been using ChatGPT sometimes to just ask it about some topic that I don't know much about, kind of like Wikipedia. Oh, cool. Because yeah. it's like a question based yeah. Wikipedia. You can't get all the most detailed, accurate information, but you can get a general idea of topics. And yeah, for I asked sure. It about, but like, you
1: can't trust it because it does make stuff up. Yeah, but so it's still
0: interesting. You can use it to prompt your own ideas. Yeah, for to sure. Reframe your ideas. It's like, you ever just talk to yourself when you're trying to think something through? Like, what about if talking to yourself talked back and gave you more ideas based on no, what you totally, said?
1: No, totally, totally. I feel like there's so many applications I can imagine for Chat GPT, and like even with like screenwriting and stuff. You know, just to kind of like sometimes staring at a blank page can just make you shut the laptop, you know what I mean? And sometimes having, like, something to work off of and even just to have an opinion on, even if you're just like, I hate this and I want to delete it and write something else.
0: Yeah, sometimes you just want something to happen. Yeah. And you don't necessarily know what you want to happen.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's still collaborative. Like, you're still prompting it. I don't know, it's cool. Like, yeah, I think, like, we can learn to collaborate and... It can be like a creative aid
0: i totally agree
1: but i like to look on the bright side of things stay on the sunny side of life but i feel like you were saying something about how it's going to impact like data storage or data management can you talk more about that
0: yeah well you know i remember when i guess the generation that we are we didn't grow up having online profiles of everything but then at some point that was everything. And now an online profile can be used to basically generate a fake version of you. And what does that mean? That now if we put out pictures of ourselves, information about ourselves, this kind of technology can understand us so well that we're now gonna be part of the AI that people are using. Everybody that exists on the internet now is going to be like frozen in time through all of this AI. We're going to be kind of immortalized by training these AIs in a certain way.
1: Wow, that really makes me want to post a lot more. I think posting can make I me immortal. I think immortal. posting is
0: bullish in the AI paradigm.
1: In the AI age, posting makes me immortal. Sign me up.
0: Well, if you had posted, then you could theoretically train it to you know just give you a mood board based on what you've put out into the world or something like that
1: i post therefore i am and always will be my collage makes itself
0: my grid my time on earth
1: wow i like that i like that imagine that on your tombstone and then like a scrollable grid
0: Imagine if you could scroll on my tombstone.
1: That's the future.
0: It's like a mausoleum, but it's like a digital painting.
1: Kim Kardashian's grave.
0: Solar powered.
1: Eco-friendly, I like it. I feel like we already really integrated with technology when we all got smartphones. And when we started carrying around a little portal to the internet and looking at it every five seconds but I feel like our smartphones are not super useful to us. And I remember when smartphones first came out and everyone was like, apps, apps are amazing. Doctors can use apps to be better medical professionals and give you better healthcare. Like what an absolute fantasy that turned out to be. But I feel like AI could actually deliver on something like that promise and could actually make our ubiquitous technology actually functional and helpful to us.
0: I love how you put that because AI the thing that ai has changed is that now you can talk to technology like a human you don't need to talk to technology in technology's terms every time you've tried to use a new computer program and you're like where are the buttons i just want to do the thing i just want to add the file i just want to copy this from here to there but you can't express to the computer what you want to do that's all going to go away you're going to be able to just express to the computer in your own human ways. And the computer will understand that and know how to do it.
1: Yeah, it's super cool. Honestly, all the AI that we've had access to so far has been amazing. And I know it's like just the beginning and people haven't figured out how to make it evil yet. And, you know, they're trying to it's, impress us and there's a lot make us of- sweet on it. So I understand it's not going to stay in this, you know, Idyllic early stage, you know, environment for long. But as far as the initial phase of AI becoming like generally relevant to the population, I think it's been cool.
0: I think so too. I think also it's been better received than I might have expected because I think that before people viewed AI more as an unknown and a threat. And now people are just thinking, oh, that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I feel like we are going to need to kind of rewrite our ethical code a little bit to accommodate for AI because we've definitely been running into issues where our current like code of ethics really does make the AI look bad. It's like we train Dolly on you know these masters and even on just working artists today. You can train it on anybody's work and then you can kind of cop their style cop their talent without paying them which is problematic in our current like paradigm and our current ethical yeah from our current ethical perspective it is problematic but I think that we'll have to find a way to just account for it or I don't know I do think that AI can be more productive and helpful to us than harmful and I'm trying to keep a more positive outlook in terms of the Copyright and the kind of work-stealing issues that it inevitably produces and kind of think creatively about how can we, you know, use it to our advantage to kind of move past limitations, you know, and allow it to, like, enable us to open up new avenues for creativity and do more that we maybe haven't even considered yet because we've been spending so much time achieving where we're at. I don't know. Maybe I'm naive, but I do believe in the power of positive thinking and AI is not going anywhere. So maybe let's apply positivity to it. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I completely agree. Take a look at some technology like the internet. When it first came out, people said, oh my God, it's, you know, when, when everybody's on AOL, when the kids were signing in on the chat rooms on AOL, the parents are like, go outside. What are you doing? And now
1: stranger danger.
0: Which one of our parents wants to give up their phone? They're texting. We're all doing it. What makes us human is our reliance on technology. It's not something that we need to feel good about, but we need to use technology to survive. That's how we Mm -hmm. evolved.
1: Yeah. Technology is going to advance no matter how we feel about it. Eli, thank you for coming on the pod and hope you'll join us again soon.
0: Thanks so much for having me.